What is up, everyone? This is Chase Kepley with the Grab a Beer First podcast. It's a Monday, plenty of stuff over the weekend. The PGA Tour pissed me off. The Washington Redskins are going to change their name. And it's time to send kids back to school. I'm going to give you my take on all of it. Grab a beer. We can argue about it. Let's go. The PGA Tour screwed us yesterday. The PGA Tour let down golf fans yesterday and sports fans in general because there's not a lot of sports on. And I love the PGA Tour anyway. Justin Thomas was in the mix. I couldn't wait to watch Sunday's matchup. And the PGA Tour screwed us. They pre-recorded the final round yesterday and played it back at about a three- or four-hour delay. I'm going to say that again. They pre-recorded the final round and played it back at a delay yesterday and did not offer you the opportunity to watch it live. I never, ever watch delayed sports. I hate it. I hate it. I want to watch it happen. I want to watch it live. And the PJ Tour did not give us a chance yesterday. They just pre-record it, play it later, like we're all freaking idiots. I'll give you a little background here. On the weekends, I try not to pick up my phone. I try to put it away and not look at it because I have it in my hand all the time during the week. And I need to get away from the damn thing. I have it in my hand too much. On the weekends, I'll put it somewhere on a table. I'll pick it up maybe once every couple hours. Unfortunately, it beeped yesterday, and I picked it up while I'm watching Justin Thomas and the other leaders play golf, and they're on the 6th, 7th hole, 8th hole maybe, somewhere in there, and it dings. I pick it up. It's an ESPN alert. Guess what? Justin Thomas just holed out a putt, a 50-footer, in a playoff hole. A fucking playoff hole? He's on the 8th hole. Son of a bitch. I find out that they have pre-recorded this and they're playing at three or four hour delay and aren't giving you an opportunity to watch it live. I have DirecTV. I have a gazillion channels. I have all the sports channels, all of them. If there's one that was showing live golf, I don't know where it was. You should have the chance to watch it live if you want. If CBS wants to freaking record it and show it in their three to seven window Eastern time, that's fine. But I should be able to watch the live golf on the golf channel or something. I don't want to I don't want to watch golf and then find out on my phone that I'm 12 holes behind and they're in playoff holes and it's exciting, too bad you can't watch it. Hold on for about 3 more hours, we'll get you caught up. What the shit? major fumble by the PGA Tour and whoever is involved in the broadcasting decisions. Golf Channel, CBS, I blame everybody. I blame all of you. There are no sports on. Sports suck right now. You have everybody who likes sports attention that gives any inkling about golf or sports in general. You have our attention. There's nothing else to watch. And you fumbled. Miserable effort by all involved. I can't tell you how frustrating it is to not be able to watch it live. I mean, I know when the Olympics happen, 
A lot of times that's pre-recorded and it's shown on the nightly NBC broadcast. But the Olympics gives you a chance to watch it live earlier in the day. They're broadcasting on three or four channels. And you can watch those things. If you want to wake up at 2 a.m. and see the curling championship, you can wake up at 2 a.m. and see the curling championship most of the time. You don't have to wait till the next night at 8 p.m. to see it. They give you a chance to watch it live, and if you missed it, here's the montage of all the fun shit that happened in the previous 24 hours. We're putting it together for you at 8 p.m. on on NBC. That makes sense. If CBS wanted to show it on delay from 3 to 7, that's fine. But if anybody that's a diehard that wants to watch golf doesn't have the opportunity to watch it live, terrible. What are y'all doing? It was an exciting finish. An incredible finish. Colin Morikawa, I believe I'm saying it right, and Justin Thomas in playoff holes. (sighs) Unreal. Unreal that you fumbled it this bad. A miserable effort by all those involved in that broadcasting decision. And uh, I hope your ratings suffer because of it. Because that is, you, you deserve it for this one. Give us the chance to watch it live on some channel. Miserable. The Washington Redskins announced today that they are dropping the Redskins name and are going to pursue a new nickname. And the Redskins have probably, as much as any other team, been at the center of this uh, Native American nickname battle. Um the teams that seem to kind of get by or, in essence, uh, not really have to face really difficult pressure to change their name seem like the Florida State Seminoles, Atlanta Braves, uh, Chicago Blackhawks. Those teams seem to, for one reason or another, not get the same uh, pressure that the Redskins get. And I think a big part of it is that football's king and the NFL is the biggest boy on the block, and if you're going to go after somebody or f- try to force your force your uh, uh, name change on somebody, you might as well pick the biggest. And uh, yeah, so I, I'm not passionate that the Redskins be the Redskins forever, and that um, you know, changing this name just ruins every ruins the NFL, or or that it's over I, I just think that when you when you do this when you say okay we'll change the name I, I don't really recognize who wakes up the next day and is happy and um I have not had in-depth conversations with Native Americans who are in who are offended by this not to say they're not but I just don't see that when this name is changed that somehow there's this big uh, relief off of all these people's shoulders. I, I, I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. I think we just say, okay, and the pressure then moves to another team or another name or another business. And uh, I don't think there's ever going to be an end to, okay, now now we fixed it all and racism's gone. Um, thank, thank God we started with the, the Redskins name. You know, I, I I don't see it. I think I think that there are people who are offended by certain team names, 
and and to them uh, you know uh, I, I maybe I'm just ignorant and and I don't I don't uh I don't see the pain they may be going through but I I certainly don't think that once the name changes that everybody wakes up the next day and and feels like yep now my life is better now systemic racism has been uh curtailed you know I, I i just don't see i don't see it tied to the those names like like uh like i guess some people do i think it's a uh i think it's really really high level um pandering more or less um companies do this to try to get a check mark for good behavior um the owner of the Redskins had been quoted in saying that the name will never change. And here we are today changing the name. So um, I don't think it ruins the NFL. I don't think it ruins Sunday. I don't think it just destroys NFL tradition. Teams move, change names, things like that happen. And the, and the league rolls on. And the Redskins have basically been irrelevant since the early 90s. So, uh, you know, I just think it's pandering. And... Uh, at the utmost level and I don't think you ever can pander enough I think you you just it's a slippery slope and once this changes then something else is going to need to change and then something else and then something else and it carries on and uh I don't know I don't I don't think I don't think a lot gets accomplished through something like this but uh FedEx writes a big check every year and FedEx asked them and apparently uh Apparently that that was the right person to have to ask because it's been asked many times before and and failed miserably and this was the time this was it so I think the NFL goes on I think everybody's fine but I do not think uh, I don't think racism against Native Americans is all of a sudden uh, cured because the Washington Redskins changed their name. Schools are supposed to return in August, and at least where I'm at, nobody knows what that means yet. And uh, this has been heavy in the news recently. I know over the weekend, uh, Betsy DeVos was interviewed, at least on one outlet, maybe multiple. I have trouble watching her. Uh, I don't necessarily think she's great at her job. I think she means well, but I don't know that she is a good front person for this uh for the education system or to lead the education system in america she not to say she's not um qualified not to say she's not doesn't know what she's doing but when when there's crisis you want to look and see powerful leaders and uh people with great vision and you want to follow them and i don't think she checks all those boxes to be honest but anyway, I, I caught some snippets of what she was saying, and I caught some uh, reaction. And just want to give you my thoughts on what you know people where I'm at are saying, and what people where I'm at are worried about. First and foremost, um, you, you've got two sides of the camp. One says kids uh, don't really suffer from bad COVID symptoms; uh, they're as unaffected as any population there is and we think they need school more than we think they need to be protected from covid there's there's that camp 
The other camp is uh, if one kid dies, that's too many. And even if no kid dies, they're going to bring it home to somebody that does die. That's the other camp. And um, those are very, very opposite positions. And uh, I tend to lean to the, these kids need school more than they need to avoid COVID-19. Um, where I'm at, the kids basically didn't have a second uh, part of their school year. And I'd say that's true for most places. They tried to do online learning, which is um, a miserable failure because the kids aren't capable of transition to that and the teachers aren't capable of uh, providing the learning the kids need online. It's period. That's that's how I see it. And especially, I would say, grades, you know, 10, 10th grade and less, the idea of learning online, I think, is is a joke. And we're wasting people's time trying to pretend that they can. So there is a big heavy camp that says put these kids back in school and figure it out. And with that comes concern over how, how do you do that. And I think in a lot of places, local governments and local education systems are terrified that a kid's going to get it and get and they're going to get uh, sued or somebody's going to die and they're going to get sued. And, and I understand that side of it. But the alternative is waste everybody's time. Uh, you're going to waste teacher's time and you're going to waste kids' time until, until you eventually come back around to the point where we, we do it anyway. Just like all these sports leagues, um, NBA, Major League Baseball, NFL football, the we we stopped everything to figure out what was going on and eventually we're back to playing even though this thing's still here and exists and i think that's what school's going to be like you put it on pause figure out what's going on and then eventually you return with uh you know a modified plan that works its way around corona and I, I, all you're doing by delaying school is delaying it because you don't know how to stand up and make the decisions in my opinion and they they're basically forcing local school systems uh the county i live in to have a plan b ready plan a means go back to school plan b is something else and plan c is 100 percent remote learning and the plan b's that are being floated around are alternating days basically so you split the students in half and they go Monday, Tuesday. Then nobody goes on Wednesday. The teachers get a planning day. And then the other half of the students go Thursday, Friday. And online learning there and around. And people are freaking out because it means that parents who rely on their kids to be at school so that they can go to work every day will now be responsible for their children at home five days a week and only at school two days a week as opposed to the total opposite where most of us work five days a week and our kids are at school five days a week and then we have two days off kids and adults if if we have a plan b or plan c 
you're going to see massive blowback. I think way far greater than a plan A blowback would be where everybody goes to school. I, I just don't think that you can't get creative and have those kids at that facility for five days a week. That you, You've got to be able to figure it out. I don't care if you have half the classes in a gymnasium where everybody can spread out six feet. That's better than keeping these kids at home and, you know, stressing out parents to a level that's uh, I don't think we've ever seen before. You know, there's never been a time in our modern history where parents had to be responsible for children as much as they've been responsible for children the past three months. And that's not to say parents aren't capable. It's to say that the system is not set up that way. 200 years ago, even 100 years ago, um, kids didn't have to be at school every day. There were, there were things that they could help with at home and do alongside learning that made it feasible, at least, that they not be in a school for five days a week. And also the way work and, and uh, jobs were set up 100 years ago and 200 years ago was far different than, there, than it is today. I, I would say 100 years ago, the farthest somebody traveled for work, <laughs> the average distance you traveled to go to work versus what it is now, I, I w- I, you couldn't even imagine. People, you were closer to home. You had access to your children, uh, a lot of times children, you know, had jobs around the house that they uh, performed routinely. That's gone because the way adults work is gone. And the way adults work is 100% based off the fact that you know your kid's going to be in school nine months a year, five days a week. And that allows you to be a productive member of society rather than somebody that's at home. It's, it's changed the way women work. Uh, for for certain women ran the house the man went off and worked and now both both parents go to work in the in a ton of households i would say the majority of households and the children go to school and you, you, we've got to get them back in school we've you you've got to get them back in school they are not they're not learning anything at home they're and they're also, um, they're losing a structure that I think is important. And I don't know what that does to a second grader or a third grader or a sixth grader or a ninth grader where they don't have to go to school for a whole year. What It would be very difficult to return to that one day, um, 18 months from now, and jump right back into a structure. And we're going to pretend that you past the ninth and 10th grade um, because we, we know you didn't get the education that you were supposed to get. I just, it, it's a really touchy subject, but when you talk about, you know, the, the other side of the coin, which says, you know, one kid getting sick and dying is too many. That is a naive perspective because if one kid dying is too many, then we shouldn't let 16 year olds have cars and have licenses because kids die every day driving a car. But we know that that's a possibility and we allow it anyway. We 
we as parents need a 16 year old to be responsible enough to take their self to school, take their self to their athletic events so that the parents can continue to be productive members of society. We know kids are going to die driving cars. 16 year olds die all the time. They're, they're horrible drivers. It's a dangerous situation, but that is baked into it. The convenience and the need outweigh the risk. So we deal with it. And that, that goes for a million other things. And the fact that millions of kids can't go to school because of the chances that a couple kids, you know, in each district get fairly sick, I think is a naive perspective. And I know you, you say if it's my kid, then then uh, my attitude would change. But the answer is no. I'm going to let my kid drive a car and take their stuff to school when they're 16. And I'm going to trust that it's going to work out. And I'm going to do my best as a parent to educate them on the ways to keep their self safe. And the same has to be said for our expectations of the school system and our expectations of our children to try to stay safe. And I, I, I don't see any other way. I don't see any other way this goes forward in a positive way without returning to school, taking precaution, and sending kids five days a week. I'll see you in the story. That'll do it for today. Chase Kepley, Grab a Beer First podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any. Check me out on Instagram, Beer First Pod. Leave a comment. Shoot a DM my way. Ask me a question, argue with me something. We'll catch you next time.